This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Ben Dominich will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He is the publisher of The Federalist, soon to be a Fox News contributor. Uh, the number to call to be on, 1-866-408-7669. The weather is now going front and center here in the Northeast. We'll discuss some of that. But what can I say, except for I hope it misses us. I have no interest in snow. I am over snow. I don't know why I'm here. Uh, I don't like the weather. Uh, I'd rather be somewhere else. But I'm glad to be behind the microphone. It's just that I'm one of the few people who even comes in the studio. I'm sure you all notice that. And I, that's what I really respect about myself. Uh, go to BrianKillMeatShow.com. No matter where I am, if you want to get the show, no matter where you are, you'll get it. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield a different result. The Electoral College has spoken. Mitch McConnell uh, calls Biden calls uh, Biden, acknowledging that he won the election. Should the president do the same thing or keep fighting through January 20th? And most importantly, what does it mean for the two Senate run- runoff seats in Georgia? Number two. What's going to happen to all these restaurants that are going to close in a couple of weeks? This is not fair. We are not the problem. We deserve to work. We deserve our indoor dining open. Do you realize what he's saying? He's not saying we deserve money. He says we deserve to work. Shut down city. That's what these inept leaders are doing from coast to coast, killing businesses, destroying lives, while saying they're trying to save lives. The backlash, I hope, is making these leaders take pause. We'll bring you through it. Number one. More help could be on the way in the coming days in the form of a second vaccine. New FDA analysis says Moderna's vaccine is more than 94% effective with no serious risks. And a panel will meet tomorrow to vote on whether to recommend it for emergency use. And tomorrow being today, move over Pfizer, Moderna is joining what I hope is a parade of vaccines coming to a hospital near you. FDA approval hours away. And can you say done deal? That's what it looks like as an aid package is set to be locked in today. And guess what is happening? It's this thing called compromise. This actually started in the middle with Joe Manchin and Senator Warner and Senator Murkowski and Senator Collins and Senator Cassidy. And they talked, talked, talked. Even when they were on break, they were on Zoom. And by the time they brought it through, they got the number to $900 billion. So now it's down to $786 billion. They just put aside things that they couldn't agree on. It's really two major issues. The liability insurance to get you back to work and not sue the company. And number two, for the Democrats, they just want flat-out payments to states. And that's not going to fly with these Republican states, especially some of which are flush with cash. Everyone's going to get money. And, like, for example, in this state of New York, 
Governor Cuomo says, yeah, I'll get the vaccine, but I'm not going to have the money to hand it out. Really? You have $7.5 million unspent given to you by the federal government. That's the type of thing that breeds so much contempt and distrust among states, among negotiators. So that's uh, that's the issue. Um, And what else? I think I like this for a couple of reasons. What I like, too, is the idea of a compromise, because if the Senate, one of those Senate seats goes to Republicans, they get the majority, they get the chairmanship in every Senate committee with about nine vote advantage, maybe less for Nancy Pelosi in the House. With a president that is known before he was president as somebody who would go to the other side a lot and try to negotiate a deal, not dug in like an AOC, not dug in like a Bernie Sanders you might get deals. And then our show is going to be interesting. It's almost going to be like the All Sports Radio Network in that you're going to be talking about the deal and who got the better deal. So the stimulus stalemate is what's going on. The dispatch's own Jonah Goldberg weighed in on special report last night. He's never optimistic, but cut eight. The incentive structure on both sides is to get something done before Christmas. The politics are too poisonous on both sides. It's a little bit like a government shutdown fight. Before Christmas, you just it's better to get half a loaf than nothing at all. And I, I suspect that, you know, when Mitch McConnell says we're not leaving without a deal, that probably means they're going to get a deal. Kind of interesting. Right. So uh, maybe it means they're going to get a deal. Leadership is now agreeing. I want to see the liability come in because I'm not anti-worker. But if you're a major company and you, you have to be able to uh, answer people who say you have insurance, uh, you have attorneys. So let's say you're Citibank. It's time getting back to work. I don't care if you're the lowliest intern or the most prestigious vice president. If you come back in and get the virus or it spreads through a floor and you turn around and go, well, you brought me back to work and now I'm suing. That company's going to pay a price and say, guys, everyone go home because it's, it's not going to be worth it for me to bring you to work. What you do is you have a threshold for the protocol. See, these are the things you have to do. You have a nurse on staff. They've got to be offering tests two or three times a week. You've got to get your desk to the point where you can uh, and stagger your uh, workforce that you can come in and separate yourselves without wearing a mask to a certain degree. And then people start getting back to work and getting back to normalcy. Well, how does that help? Well, they get on trains. They get on buses. They get in their cars. They pay for parking. They're going to need lunch. They're going to need to go home. They're going to need to go buy a suit, perhaps. They're going to need to go to a dry cleaner. Do you see what I'm talking about? That's why when people say I'm shutting down schools, you're also shutting down supply chains that feed cafeterias. You're also hurting bus drivers that bring the kids to school. The ripple effect is, is, is pretty impressive. And that's what I uh, hope happens. Meanwhile, on the vaccine front, this is great news. I know people are trying to either ignore that President Trump oversaw and came up with Operation Warp Speed, or they're trying to poke holes in it. If one vial is late, if one case gets spoiled, believe me, they're going to be saying Donald Trump's Warp Speed was too slipshod to be effective. So what exactly is Warp Speed? What they did is... They spend $955 million to develop a vaccine, for example, for Moderna. So Moderna says, we said, here's your check. Go do it. $1.5 billion will be in manufacturing. Make it. Tell me the formula. Let's make it. While you test it, I will buy it, hoping, betting, like DraftKings, that it comes through. So for Moderna, for Pfizer, for it seems to be AstraZeneca, the $1.2 billion, the $1.4 billion, the $1.5 billion has paid off. For Johnson & Johnson, the one-shot deal I hear, the $1.46 billion has paid off. 
Not all of it has. This Sanofi and GlaxoSmithKline, they spent $2 billion each, and so far they've had problems. Operation Warp Speed also gave us and created right, Regeneron. That is a therapeutic that if you get it, take it. What I was stunned to find out is that when you go to a doctor, I usually don't say to the doctor, have you tried this, have you tried that? Evidently, we have to. Because if you want to, if you feel as you have symptoms, if you test positive, Listen to what Alex Azar said last night and said to me again about a half hour ago on television. He's Health and Human Services Secretary. Cut one. If you're over 65 or if you are comorbid and have a risk of severe complications or hospitalization, get talk to your doctor after getting a positive test and ask about whether you can be put on these drugs because they can help prevent hospitalization, severe consequences, or help, in the case of remdesivir, help shorten your hospitalization stay. We have a surplus of these products. They're not getting used, and we need to keep people out of the hospital. How nuts is that? we got to go in and ask for diet. Hey, by the way, can you, uh, I just was Googling it. Uh, These are the types of medicines you probably should have asked for. By the way, it's free. It's unused. You could probably find it at George Washington University. So Alex Azar comes on, and I watch him do Face the Nation, and I I guess he was on uh, Shepard Smith's show. And he's dealing with people that just want to poke holes in the fact that it's got to be 74 degrees below Fahrenheit or, uh, you know, it didn't go out fast enough or why are minority communities not being serviced or why was the White House being originally targeted first? Of answers to all that. But can at one point someone just say, pretty impressive, how can I help? You can't help if you're the president or Alex Azar to gloat a little bit or Admiral Giroir. Because on May 15th, when this was announced, listen to some of the reaction that they were going to get this done before the new year cut to. Well, thank you, Mr. President, for your leadership of this historic effort. Your vision for Operation Warp Speed, setting a goal of a vaccine by January 2021, will be one of the great scientific and humanitarian accomplishments in human history. The Health and Human Services Secretary, whose literal first words were to thank the president for his leadership. The American public was today uh, promised, uh, the promise was held out that we'll have a vaccine by the end of this year. Is that possible in your view? Oh, Brian, you know, it's another day of uh, POTUS in Wonderland here. Uh, It is preposterous to make that statement and also to kind of mislead uh, the American people about what's possible, what's not possible. We could have a vaccine in two months if we wanted to forego the absolutely critical phase of long human testing to make sure that the vaccine works and, most importantly, that it's safe. It is impossible to get that done by the end of the year. Wrong. It's done. We are in November. We were in November and it was done. We are handing it out in December and it's done. We get another vaccine as of today. It is done. Cut three. President Trump said he thought, in spite of all these experts, these geniuses who said, oh, 18 months at the soonest would be the most optimistic, he said, could we get it sooner? And I said, because I knew from the drug industry, I worked in the drug industry, I had run our bioterrorism countermeasures programs at HHS before, I knew what could get done. And we said we could do it by the end of the year. We could put all this together. Um, I, I just think the difference is they 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 want to see the impossible. They the president wants to see the possible. He sets out the the goal, and that's what he does as a leader. And that's what we do is work to achieve that. And now we have two vaccines by the end of this week, possibly with ninety five percent effectiveness and tens of millions of doses for the American people. I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm going to grin. <laughs> 
of course, you're up 20 hours a day. You're getting blistered left and right. You go to do a show, and they're playing gotcha. And then when they finally get it, the only thing they cut out is it's Operation Warp Speed by this administration. They want to quickly give it to the Biden administration, but he's not taking the job for 20 more days. Uh, when we come back, your calls, one 408 Then Ben Dominich on how this all plays out and the significance of Kevin McCarthy not saying this election's over and Mitch McConnell saying it is and the president tweeting out that Mitch is wrong. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. What's going to happen to a lot of us that they're not going to be able to stay open? What's going to happen to all these restaurants that are going to close in a couple of weeks? What I can't understand is if the so-called science pointed in one direction, why are we going in a completely opposite direction? This is not fair. We are not the problem. 
We are not. We deserve to work. We deserve our indoor dining open. Hey, listen, I, I talked to the diner owners in uh, New York. I today talked to a restaurant owner in Minnesota right at the North Dakota border. I talked to California restaurateurs, three of them over the last 10 days. They all have the same desperation, anger. They're not looking to get back at anyone. They want to wait to work. Did you hear that soundbite? We have a right to work. That's the American spirit. Not, I, where's my money? No, let me earn it. They're not saying, give me PPP. The money ran out. They're saying, let me go to work. You know how hard it is working in a restaurant business, even if you love it? you got to go with your A game. Even if you understand how to wait tables and you're great at it, you have to consolidate steps. You have to constantly be thinking. you got to be wondering what the customer is, all those different personalities. All these people are saying, give me, the, give me a chance. So I'm going to give you some stats. The National Restaurant Research Association said approximately 17% of all restaurants are going out of business. More than 110,000 uh, 110, establishments completely closed. Approximately 10,000 restaurants closed in the last three months alone. 500,000 set to close if they don't open up in the next three months. So a new survey in New York of 450 establishments in New York City, this, this is prestigious city, 87% said their businesses were unable to pay their full rent this month. 34% said they are unable to pay it at all. John, listening on WJBX in Fort Myers, Florida. John. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Back at you. I just want to say something here. All American businesses need to open their doors. Do not listen to the governors and mayors. Pay your federal taxes. Do not pay any state taxes, unemployment, anything to the states. If everyone stands together, they cannot shut down America. I agree. And in Minnesota, that, that's what they're talking about. And 100, another 121 restaurants have joined this. But what happens is, John, have you seen some of this footage? The inspectors walk in, back up by cops, and they shut you down. They take your license. So these Mr. and Mrs. Johnson making a living, uh, you know, with their kids in soccer and in grade school, don't want to go spend the, the holidays in jail. I mean, you've seen some of this video. You know, I want you to hear some of this exchange. This is Anton Van Happen. Uh, this is Cut 13. I follow the rules. I continue to follow the rules. And you guys still, time after time, are giving me citations. Tell them that I have to close my business? You're not what about my employees? You're not what about my employees? I am following the rules. My tables are inside. Just because the health department has the whole process to go through that takes however long that takes, I have to close my business for that time? Who's gonna, Are you going to pay my rent? Are you going to pay my rent? You chose to make those decisions. Right? I chose to protest by putting my tables outside, and I reiterate again, I never served one single person outside. I can all take out food and delivery. Listen, it's painful to hear. Uh, Anton Van Happen is the man. He is the owner of Nick the Greek Slovaki and Gyro House in Ventura, California. And he has the same anger they have in Staten Island, New York. They want to make a living. They're stopping them from making a living. I call on these health department inspectors just to keep walking. Just say you went in, you checked the box, and you left. 
there's Children's Protective Services coming to restaurants in my town. If you're that, if uh, my goodness, where are we getting the money to send the inspectors out? Let these people open up, work with them, grab a screw gun and put the plexiglass up. And the mayors and governors who get the direct deposit into their accounts live in government mansions who have government drivers, security and butlers, domestic workers. They are not suffering. They pretend like they're suffering. Incredible. John, listen on WOKV in Palm Coast, Florida. John. Hey, good morning, Brian. You know, I'm I'm so frustrated. I hope I can get my points cogently and quickly. I have two points to make. Uh, My first point, um, and as a historian um, from your books, I call the election in Georgia the Gettysburg of 2021. Because This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. When the Gettysburg battle was fought, if those Union soldiers looked across the line and said, hey, you know, we're not going to do this. America would not be the country it is today. So you folks in Georgia that are listening to Brian kill me, you need to get out and vote. I want to hear this, oh, you know, I can't vote for Trump because he's this, that, or the other. You need to vote, and you need to vote for the Republicans. The second thing I want to say is I've been a conservative all my life, but I am no longer a Republican because, you know, they say it's not the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog, and these dogs have no fight. They won't go for the juggler. They won't get down in the trenches. Mitch McConnell says the election's over. I can't believe it. I'm so furious. And I really think, and I know this has been said before, and people say it will never happen or it's not good, but if President Trump decided to create another political party, he'd have 75 million Americans jump ship, even some Democrats. I understand. John, I think you're right. I think there's never been a politician in my lifetime that has the type of support that he has. It almost reminds me of a rock star. Reminds me of something that you'd see with celebrities. That's what he has as a leader. There's nobody else that has it. But there are a lot of Republicans fighting. But the question is, legally, what did they do? It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 259,959 people have returned their ballot. That is 52% of the number that had voted 22 days before the general election. 497,439. Now remember, it ends up being 1.3 million total. But 22 days out, as we are today, 22 days out, only 52% as many people have voted. They are less Democrat, they're less black, and 60% plus of them are 66 years or older, meaning more likely to be Republican voters. Carl Rove, the chief money grabber, uh, not grabber, getter, and rounder-upper or compiler uh, in Georgia, and he's really organizing things for the uh, two Republican Senate seats, uh, the sitting senators who want six more years. Ben Dominich is the publisher of The Federalist. Ben, Carl Rove is painting a much rosier picture than the other experts in the media, and he's not one to spin things uh, if they were bad, because you could also raise money off negative stories, right? 
Yeah, certainly. I think you'd be hearing from Carl that uh, things were looking pretty desperate uh, in in his commentary uh, if he felt that it was. And keep in mind that you know the the media frame of this story is is pretty uh, you know uncertain. Uh, just given the fact that the polling performance uh, during the 2020 election was so terrible that so many of their predictions turned out just not to be true, and frankly that you know both uh, Kelly Loeffler and and David Perdue uh, per- uh, performed well enough in their uh, prior elections to win had it not been under a runoff system, uh, and so I think in this case you know we really uh, are looking at the first, you know, potentially post-Trump election, and there's so many different factors going on, I don't think you can count on any certainty here. What he was responding to there, uh, Carl Rove, was this interview that Stacey Abrams gave where she was citing all these statistics that a lot of which are bunk. Uh, Keep in mind, you know, the media had no problem with the fact that Stacey Abrams pretended to be the governor of Georgia for years after her uh, election versus Brian Kemp. Uh, They were totally happy to feature her on all the their shows and not go after her as an enemy of democracy for uh, claiming that that was stolen away from her. They have obviously a different attitude towards the president. Uh, And so I think that when it comes to this election, uh, there's so many different factors that we can't predict. One thing, though, that I do think is kind of an underrated issue, you know that Cleveland Indians name change that just uh, got announced, Brian? Yes. There's a poll out today that shows uh, overwhelmingly that Georgians are opposed to renaming the Atlanta Braves, including a majority of Democrats in the state. Uh, Purdue and Loeffler are both obviously in agreement with them. Uh, this is a question, though, that Ossoff and Warnock have not yet answered. And so I think that's just the kind of thing uh, that might emerge as just a you know, little kind of cultural war issue uh, in the closing days. Of you know, I'm, I don't have a Native American background, but in Arizona, I know there's a huge Native American presence. I have not. Most of the uproar is from people other than Native Americans. In the Redskins situation, there was four or five studies done. No one wanted to change. However, in the Brave situation, it's like warriors. I mean, Braves is, I think, a compliment. And do you want, if if you're a Native American, do you want to just be struck from the record? You know, it's it's a crazy thing, and and honestly, you know, Brian, I've I've grown up my entire life as a, a Washington fan. My my mother is from the area, and uh, and my father, growing up uh, in uh, Puerto Rico and Panama, was uh, was not a, a football guy, you know, in terms of his engagement. And so I paid a lot of attention to this to this story. And the fact is, it was always the woke white elite liberals who were in favor of name changes uh, as kind of a virtue signaling act. You know, it was never the you know minority communities that were back it or or certainly not the Native American communities uh, who you know were more interested in you know being able to come to the games and lots of them you know in terms of the names on of teams that are on campus uh, campuses and on uh, on reservations and the like uh, they often use those same motifs as as kind of something that they advocate for it's just another aspect of a ridiculous culture war and the kind of thing that again you know the the president has been a leader in, in calling out uh, as opposed to running away from it as I think a lot of other Republicans do uncomfortable with you know defending the idea and caving along the way to political correctness. So I want you to hear more because you, you brought up this topic specifically. Carl Rove actually went further in answering Stacey Abrams' ridiculous claims that she registered all these people. Cut 26. You know, she says, well, these we got 85,000 people who didn't vote in the November election who've now requested a ballot. Well, 55,000 of them are on the automatic list. And, and uh, so, so that means there's only about 30,000 different there. And of those... How many of those have, are new voters? 
only 12,130 of those voters are from people who didn't vote in November. So that 2.5% of the total vote cast thus far comes from people who didn't vote in November. So, I mean, the guy knows numbers. And that's yeah. not a spin. It's not Stacey Brabrams doesn't know what she's talking about. He goes, let me go inside the numbers. And that's what he does. That's what he does best, actually. You know, I think that when you look at Stacey Abrams, so much of what she represents is a media creation. Uh, Democrats take this, uh, you know, this opportunity after they lose uh, close or relatively close elections. Uh, Abrams actually lost by a lot. She it wasn't that close. Um, and they get turned into these kind of martyr figures or, or heroic in a way. You see it a lot in uh, sort of lean red states. And, and just two examples that come to mind from Texas, Beto O'Rourke and Wendy Davis, you know, both after their statewide, uh, you know, election Great losses, point. you know, they get put on the covers of magazines. They're framed as, you know, born to run by Vanity Fair. And then, of course, they, they get on the national stage or they or they try again. Wendy Davis obviously lost the congressional race this cycle to Chip Roy. It's one of these things where they, they just turn out to not be able to deliver as much as the elite left would like them to. Ben, I want to bring you to Mitch McConnell yesterday on the Senate floor, after which he would call uh, Vice President Biden president-elect, cut 16. Yesterday, electors met in all 50 states. So as of this morning, our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield a different result. But our system of government has processes to determine who will be sworn in on January the 20th. The Electoral College has spoken. So uh, the president not happy about that. Uh, uh, He tweeted out he wasn't happy about that. Uh, Kevin McCarthy would not join in when he got the call from Mitch McConnell to say it. So he's going to still fight. Who's right? Well, I think Mitch McConnell is correct, but I also think the president is correct in the sense that he, you know, is willing to stand up and fight for, uh, you know, until he really does have to leave. And he said he will leave, you know, if if that's uh, the way things go. But one of the things that I want to bring out of this, Brian, and we need to keep this in mind, the media is going to try to pretend like 2020 was all hunky-dory and fine. You've seen that already from their attitudes, not just, you know, the the corporate media, you know, unlike Fox, but also, you know, frankly, big tech, you know, crushing anybody who goes out there and says, well, actually, you know, this kind of looks fraudulent or questionable, or at least, you know, something that we ought to look into, raising up all sorts of very legitimate things from different states. And the media is going to try to pretend like none of that happened. They're going to try to pretend like this was just pure as driven snow, the most fraud-free election in the history of America. And we all know that that's bogus. It's ridiculous, okay? And this is something that needs to continue to be investigated, needs to be looked into. But frankly, I think that this election revealed that we don't have the mechanisms in place currently in order to do that. The Department of Justice, for instance, you know, they have to build a case against all of these different potentially fraudulent actions, those cases take time to build, you know, potentially years to unveil these things. And we have all these examples, of course, of fraud in in a lot of different states, including places like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and the like. But those are also situations where it took, you know, years in many cases to build the cases against the people in, uh, in each of these instances. 
to me, I think that we need an election commission that looks at all of these different factors across the country and starts coming out with basically recommendations about how we can be better about this. It's sort of taking the Florida model in the wake of the embarrassment of 2000 and taking it on a national level because they made a lot of steps to make things more transparent, to have a voter book that was much more updated and public and universally applied in order to see, you know, who had requested absentee ballots, where they were voting, have the ability for people to check up on their yeah. own vote. I think that that's the sort of thing that needs to be applied across the country. If and Republicans don't respect federalism, but it's something that I think we really need to do before the midterms. If Republicans don't tighten it up, if they if, if there's going to be mail in balloting because the pandemic is still existing or uh, whatever reasons are they can't overturn it. They have to tighten it up. If not, they should just uh, they should just disband because they're never going to win another well, I, election. The, the, the mail-in balloting thing is a critical part of this because the media lied to you when they said uh, that, oh, mail-in balloting is totally secure. The fact is it isn't. It's less secure. It removes some of the checks that we have in place uh, that happen if you vote in person. And that's why so many other countries around the world have either banned it or moved away from it over the years. And I think that what we need to say is, well, if mail-in balloting is going to be around, uh, which I still think is a ridiculous thing, then there has to be certain safeguards put into place to make sure that everyone can have confidence in it going forward. And that's something that the media and the Democrats are going to totally resist because they want to be able to just use it and and not have any kind of consequences, even in a lot of these big cities where we know that there has been a history of fraud, proven fraud over the years. That's not acceptable and Republicans shouldn't go along with it. And I think that you need to have it addressed in a formal manner, not just complaining, not just trying to you know make last ditch appeals to the courts, but actually going right. in and changing the processes involved. And keep in mind how much Republicans have caved on this. I mean, the, the Pennsylvania decisions were bipartisan. Republicans went along with it, you know. And now it looks like you know, in retrospect, that might have even been unconstitutional under the Pennsylvania laws. And that's certainly the argument uh, that a number of people there uh, you know made to me. And so I, I think this is all stuff that needs to be adjudicated going forward. And the president, obviously, is not going to shut up about this. He's going to even, you know, leaving office, he is going to say, this was robbed. Uh, this was taken away from me. You know, I, I won this. He's going to claim that regardless of what, uh, you know, anybody else is reporting. And what he's going to be able to say is there were all these examples of fraud and they never were willing to investigate them or adjudicate them in a court of law. And frankly, when he says that, he'll be correct. Ben Dominic with us. Ben, last thing. Let's we, we, we drilled down on the numbers and what happened. Now let's pull back. The president of the United States goes to Georgia, and the crowds are so big, even in a pandemic, people can't even get their head around it, all right? Joe Biden wins Georgia, reportedly, by about 10,000 votes, goes down, first appearance as a sitting president, can't fill up a parking lot. The president of the United States currently looks at this and says— how the hell did I lose to this guy? He's in. By the way, he yelled the whole time and screwed up John Ossoff's name. He has no message. He could barely read the prompter. And the president goes, really? I'm putting together these rock star-like concerts and conversations. And I lost to him in Georgia. It doesn't make well, sense. I, Do you I understand? Just think, I, just think, I just think that, it, one, that's understandable. But I also think that, that you know, the president is looking at a, a – uh, administration coming in that essentially has no coherent message except that they're not him. 
It's entirely an, a negative anti-Trump yeah. uh, campaign. That's what it was all along. And I think that Joe Biden is already showing the cracks uh, in his own coalition around that. You have the demands from all the different identity politics folks who are saying there are not enough Latinas in your administration. You need to name this person and that person. Keisha Bottoms, reportedly the mayor of Atlanta, offended that she wasn't going to get named ambassador to the United Nations, which is something that just strikes me as ridiculous. Uh, this is a situation where he's coming in with all of these different people who just want a piece of this admin. And you know why they're setting up that way, Brian, because you're a smart guy. They don't anticipate Joe Biden running for re-election. They anticipate Kamala Harris running in four years. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. And they all want to be set up around her in a way where they'll have a shot at being either her vice president or in the case of some of them, potentially challenging her for the nomination. It's all these different piece, moving pieces, and it's all about power. It has no overarching message or coherence to it. I can't argue with you, except for some people don't even think he's going to make it through one term. So, hey, hey you know, <laughs> that, that's, there's an argument to be made. And, and, and Ben, just keep your eye on the Hunter Biden story because, you know, it's real and it's got substance and it's got emails and it's got text messages. If that story becomes major news and everyone's covering it, that's a cohesive push uh, to get him off and out. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and, and don't you think that that's going to happen the first time that the New York Times editorial page gets upset with him about something? Or, or, or <laughs> and we'll find it on the front page. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, Ben, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Great to be with you as always. Ben. All right. Great analysis. one 408 But he's not the only analyst. So are you. I want to get your take. We also have these massive shutdowns that are costing tens of thousands of people their jobs. And for the first time, I am seeing widespread unrest among the masses, law-abiding, tax-paying people who want the right not to get a paycheck, excuse me, not for a handout, but for the right to work. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I don't know if you've noticed, but you have an ability to inspire people to run for the highest office in the land with some of the jokes that you tell about them. Well, I, I should I should roast people, uh, people I admire more. I'll start roasting you, man. Who knows? Although you weren't born here, so look, I look, I, I was able to get away with it, apparently. That's pretty funny, right? It was actually very funny. Yeah. And the people he was saying, um, Trevor Noah said, you roasted Trump, you roasted Kanye West. They both ran for president. So that was prior. That's pretty good. Uh, but, man, he's relentless on that book tour. But I went into a bookstore yesterday. I asked how it's doing. They say it's saving the season. So I guess he's even doing better than his wife. Well, I mean, you would hope he was the president. Um, but, yeah, he's he's doing phenomenal. But remember what he said previously? That is like he can never catch her because the bookstores are bundling the two books. So yeah. even though he's selling, she's yeah, my been heart goes too. out to him. 
Uh, my thing is, I haven't heard people say what a great book it is. They just get the book. They almost become like fans. Like, I want to get that book for somebody, but who reads it? It's a really, really long book. Right. Uh, and we lived it. That's true, <laughs> Didn't too. we? Probably good we, chapters, the right? Stuff, the stuff that we got before, it's already in his first two books, which, to his credit, when he was an unknown senator, uh, was a bestseller. I don't know if that was part of rigging the game, though. Fred, listen to WSKY in Gainesville. Hey, Fred. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, I'd like to say uh, kudos to your call screener for um, keeping me on track. I had a lot to say, and he's kind of whittled me down to a few, so he's done a good job. But the first thing I want to say is um, I listened to Rush Limbo yesterday, and he, he had his very last caller really read him the riot act. And uh, really, about what though, Fred? Got to get to the point. I got other calls. Okay, thank you. All right, Todd, listen to WHIO. Brian, uh, thank you so much for taking my call, sir. Anything for WHIO, Todd? What's in your mind? Uh, well, uh, as I was telling your call screener, the one thing I haven't heard you guys talk about, whether it's you or Hannity or Rush or Dana is the entertainment industry. I own a live sound company in Dayton, Ohio, and we've been totally shut down since March. We can't do concerts. We can't do events, graduations. Anything that I typically would do as my business model has been totally shut down. It's terrible. You're right. I should bring that up more. But you guys should also sound off. Here's an example. Why am I watching Annapolis graduate? Why am I watching West Point graduate? But I can't watch my local community college graduate or the local high school graduate. You know, why, why aren't there ways to do things that people could maybe have protocols for? It's tough. I also feel bad. Not only people like you provide entertainment and lighting for events, uh, catering, huge hit. Number three is uh, the entertainers, you know, the Thomas Retts of the world, you uh, 2 they'll be fine. But the emerging talents, not going to be. The comedians having to travel the country in front of 250, 250 people, the medium, the ones of the middles, uh, how are they going to live? How do you break in and get better? The whole year went on hold. And for comedy club owners, you should be allowed to open up with the same protocols as restaurants done right. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome, everyone, to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Heard coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this is the place to go to find out what is breaking uh, that matters most to you. Right now, we're looking in Washington, where Senator Ron Johnson on the Oversight Committee is holding a hearing on election integrity, where uh, evidently, before it even got started, it is already uh, politically charged. Can we just get to the bottom of how people vote, mail-in voting, the Dominion machines? Can we do it in a way in which we don't have both sides arguing? Because don't we want the right verdict to come out rather than learn how to game the system? Also, the vice president of the United States will be going down to Georgia again, his third visit, to make sure those Senate races go in the Republican direction. So let's get to, by the way, this hour, New York Post, Miranda Devine, front page of the New York Times, excuse me, the New York Post today, talks about the end of the 21 Club. 
It's the most famous club in the the famous restaurant, I should say, in the in the in the city, which is the most famous city in the world. I mean, everything from Jackie O to Frank Sinatra, Marilyn Monroe. Last year, we even had our Christmas party in a private room there with Fox and Friends. And they just can't make ends meet anymore. Despite all that history, you shut anybody down for basically a year and then do it again. They have no choice. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield a different result. The Electoral College has spoken. Yes, Mitch McConnell uh, ticked off the president and many Republicans by calling Joe Biden president-elect. And most importantly, what does it mean for the two Senate runoff races in Georgia? We'll tell you about it. Number two. What's going to happen to all these restaurants that are going to close in a couple of weeks? This is not fair. We are not the problem. We deserve to work. We deserve our indoor dining open. Unbelievable, and I 100% agree. This happened just around the block from our offices, shut down city. That's what these inept leaders are doing from coast to coast, killing businesses, destroying lives, while saying they're trying to save lives. The backlash, I hope, is making these leaders take pause. We'll bring you through it. Number one. More help could be on the way in the coming days in the form of a second vaccine. New FDA analysis says Moderna's vaccine is more than 94% effective with no serious risks. And a panel will meet tomorrow to vote on whether to recommend it for emergency use. Wow. Move over, Pfizer. Moderna is joining what I hope is a parade of vaccines coming to a hospital near you. FDA approval could be hours away. And can you say done deal? That's what it looks like as the aid package is set to be locked in today for you and I. And guess what is happening? Compromise. Is that something new? So they would protest right around the block from here. Just restaurant people who work in restaurant, the owners, the managers, the hostesses, the dishwashers, the waitstaff, the cooks, who have been basically shelved uh, for the past year. We're told to go do something else. There is basically 17% of all restaurants in the country have been shut down for good. We are about to lose 500,000 if they don't open up in the next three months. All have had limited seating. All have had uh, indoor and or outdoor. In the case of Minnesota, we talked to one restaurateur whose uh, restaurant has been around for 20 plus years, is on the border of Minnesota and North Dakota. North Dakota, wide open for business. They refused to close. They reopened December 6th. They were tired of waiting. They don't have outdoor dining in December in Minnesota. So they opened up anyway. And they want 100 plus other restaurants to join them. I hope indeed they do. Meanwhile, the entire city of New York has lost $34 billion in lost wages. As 3.57 million people have fled New York, many of which have left for Florida, which is fastest growing, which is going to get them more delegates, which Governor DeSantis is nothing to hurt that. He said, people, you're responsible for yourselves. Distance. Don't be stupid. But you have an opportunity to be stupid. I'm not going to stop you, which I think is the ultimate compliment. You have the right to be stupid. You have a right to be reprimanded. But you know the rules. Go play as opposed to being destroyed. And that's just it. Let's take a look at what's happening in New York City. The numbers are astounding in terms of things that have happened. 17% of all restaurants have shut down. In New York, an estimated 8,333 New York restaurants, including 4,500 in the city alone, have shut their doors. Think about the people involved, people at the owner's. The commercial real estate that is now available, the cooks, the hostesses, 
you know, everybody, the ones who clean the offices, clean the restaurant, everybody out of work. A new survey of more than 450 establishments in New York City say that if they are, they are right now, 87% are unable to pay their full rent. 34% are going to pay none of it. 63% of New York restaurants say they are likely to close by the end of the year. And now all we get from our idiot leaders is we're going to close. Dave Portnoy of Barstool was on with Tucker. He's a businessman by trade. No one gave him anything. Yeah, he's not in the restaurant business, but he knows the pain. Cut 15. I don't know what government officials, politicians expect these people to do. My heart truly breaks for them, and I've spoken with a lot of them. They, want, they just want the chance to work. Um, you know, you've seen stats that like 90% of bars and restaurants are never going to come back in New York City. And, you know, there, there's no great answer right now to what's going on clearly with corona. But the solution of just saying nobody can basically go to restaurants or bars, that, that doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't sit well with any of the owners. They want a plan. They've done everything that government officials have asked to do, along with the flattening curve. But with restaurants, you know, you have to wear the mask, less tables, six feet of separation. They built outside structures on their own dimes. I get corona. I get it all. But just to destroy livelihoods that have taken decades to build, I do not understand that. I don't either. You want to hear some anger, raw anger, out to Los Angeles, where the owner of uh, Nick the Greek Slovakian gyro house is, and the healthcare health officials have gotten on Nick. You know why? Because he does takeout, and they told him he can only have uh, he can't have any more in restaurant dining. So what he said is, listen, have your takeout, but if you want to take your bag, I'm going to put tables on the outside of my building. You could sit where you want. Health and infa- health officials come in and try to shut him down. Let's listen. I followed the rules. I continue to follow the rules, and you guys still, time after time, are giving me citations, telling me I have to close my business. What about my employees? I am following the rules. My tables are inside. Just because the health department has a whole process to go through that takes however long that takes, I have to close my business for that time? Who's Are you going to pay my rent? Are you going to pay my rent? You chose to make those decisions. I chose to protest by putting my tables outside and I reiterate again, I never served one single person outside. I did all take out food and delivery to what exactly I was supposed to be doing. So you understand the anger? That isn't politics. I don't know. Is he a Republican or Democrat? No, he's pro. I want to make a living. Also, I know when it comes to these restaurants, these people become like family. You work together in tough conditions, you know, even if you're great at it. Uh, when you get hit with a rush and you're a cook and you're a waiter and you're a host and you have the stress of delivering to those tables on time with so many different var- variables, it brings people together. Usually also after a big night, you don't go home and sleep. You go grab a beer somewhere. So traditionally, it's almost like family. So now where is help? Help has not been passed in a while. And they were up. One point eight trillion was going to help all the uh, going to help out the uh, the states, but they couldn't agree on that because Nancy Pelosi wanted one point, or excuse me, two point four trillion dollars money. We don't have, by the way. So now it looks like they're instead of having a nine hundred billion dollar stimulus package coming your way, now it's down to seven hundred forty eight billion. It is going to include. Uh, it's going to close $300 weekly federal supplement over 16 weeks, $300 more billion into the PPP program, $35 billion uh, for health care providers, $1.3 billion to bail out farmers, ranchers, government and uh, growers, and people that run fisheries. 
So there is a little bit of hope if they can pass it. What they don't have is liability insurance. What they don't have is a flat-out $160 billion or, let's say, $100 billion just to give the states. So are they close to a deal? The answer is yes. Here's Senator Tom Cotton on Fox & Friends. Cut four. So where we stand right now is the last two sticking points. The Democrats have been demanding a no-strings-attached bailout for cities and states who don't even have income losses. Um, We've held the line on that. Senator McConnell has rightly said, in my opinion, Democrats should give up on that. We will uh, compromise and not demand legal liability protection for schools and universities and businesses who are doing the right thing. That's the way you make legislation in Washington. But what we need to do is get this bill passed and get money in the hands of people who've been impacted it so they can put food on the table this month, get gifts for the kids, pay the mortgage at the end of the month. We don't need any more delay from Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats. And it should be able to get done. But I want liability insurance to get these people into their offices without getting sued. If they're not responsible, they could bring a lawsuit because there's going to be there could be certain basic protocols. And in terms of money to states, there are states that need money through no fault of their own. If you're bailing out pension plans, that'll be illegal. Point out five things they can't do with it. Make it illegal to do that. But punishable to the government to Uh, Keep that next money back of grants coming from the federal government. So you could do that, uh, but at least they've gotten this done. What I think this is is something that is going to be common over the next four years, if the Republicans get the Senate, at least two years, and that is a deal. No one's really happy with this deal, but everyone knows there needs to be a deal before Christmas. Get it done. If it was all Democrats, they'd have to get it all because the constituency would say, we gave you the Senate, we gave you the House, we gave you the White House. Why are you compromising? The Republicans holding on to the Senate would make them compromise, which is better for you and I. I'm going to take some of your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. Also, let you hear a Hollywood legend just lose it on the movie set. Don't move. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm going to take your calls in a second, but, you know, the outrage everyone's feeling and the anger people and the frustration people are feeling, not just with teachers in schools, not with just students trying to get to school or wondering if they're going to have school, uh, not just with restaurateurs and small business owners wondering why they're shut down, why Costco and Target thrive and Amazon excels. But also, even on movie sets, where the entertainment industry, you heard me with a caller earlier, no one talks about the entertainment industry. Not just actors, but the lighting people, the directors, uh, the set design, the caterers. There's so much that goes into it. They're all out of work. And some of them can't miss a paycheck, but, man, they've missed one for nine months. Tom Cruise is on the set of Mission Possible 18,000. And here's what's making a lot of news. And it's all about uh, about the protocols that go with COVID-19 and how they were on the shelf. And everyone's just got to watch what they do. Listen to him lose it. We are the gold standard. You're back there in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies, producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs. 
I don't ever want to see it again, ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. You can tell it to the people that are losing their homes because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. I don't blame him. No, I agree with you. I don't know what exactly he was witnessing. Was he witnessing just people huddled together? So he witnessed uh, two crew members apparently even masked up and whatnot. You need to stay, I think, two meters apart, something like that. So he saw two crew members looking at a computer screen, and they were too close. Um, So he freaked out. Apparently it happened before, and like enough warnings and finance, like enough. We need to keep on shooting because people's jobs are relying on this, and people are being able to feed their families because we're working. I don't know much. I, I do know the things I've heard about him are pretty extraordinary. I know these, when he set up that whole thing, that Scientology thing downtown, and everyone got caught up in the Scientology, but they weren't talking religion. What they were talking about the purification of the lungs. And a, a friend of mine uh, who, was a, who was a cop on the pile on 9-11 went down there, and he cleaned them out. Countless cops and firefighters cleaned out their lungs, and he would show up and uh, show up at the dinners and the free food afterwards and just talk to people and whip out his checkbook. And I think he was married. Um, who's the tall with black hair, the tall one at the time? I forgot. Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. He was married to her at the time, and uh, they were, couldn't have been kinder. And I hear he's a blue-collar guy on the set. Wants to do all his own stunts, works really hard. And I could see him. I'm not insuring that set. I'm not insuring that set. Excuse me. Uh, Allstate or whoever does it. Tom Cruise is on the phone. Listen, I'll watch it. You got my word. I'll back it up. If you could just insure we need to get this going again. And if they pull it off on Mission Impossible, rightly aptly named, then others can get to work. But No, I agree. When I heard that rant, he actually did remind me of you a little bit. Because you're on the phone, which you know people don't need to know, like working out things all of the time off the air, right? Which no one needs no names and whatnot. But it's like you just you get it done. Make the call, do whatever you need to do to get the job done with the end goal in the site. And the end goal is to keep on making movies and have people employed. I know. And and the thing is I think Australia was the first. I read uh in the part two of the New York Times when I actually got it and held it in my hand. Now I I uh subscribe to it so it's got it's digital. But they just said in Australia they just sealed off a set, they made a bubble and they just started shooting uh, movies, and then New Zealand did it, and vice, or it was vice versa, New Zealand and Australia. And that's what you got to do. You got to take it little by little because it's easy for Tom Cruise can go the rest of his life, doesn't have to work again. But the lighting people, the directors, the grips, no one's getting experience, no one's interning, nobody's set designing, uh, no one's getting better as an actor, an understudy. There's no more extras. Those are the ones. So oh, no problem. I'll just go to the. I'll just go to a restaurant and start waiting tables. Oops, they stopped that too. And. I mean, he it was about a three-minute rant, right? We just played 35 seconds of it. What I take from it, too, and part of it, he talks about, you know, families not being able to pay their mortgage, put food on the table, send their kids to college. I'm, you know, assuming he knows that because he's talking to people that have been going through that, and he's probably helping out people that have worked for him for years. I don't know that. Just sort of the way he said it makes me think that. Also, based on what you just said, how they helped out people after 9-11. Yeah. Um, I've had countless stories. Oh, sorry. I've had countless stories of people that don't know each other uh, tell me the same story over and over again. Whatever they did to purify people's lungs in this site, in this uh, uh, to clean out people that got all that crap in them. Uh, later, some of them would die of cancer. I don't know the ones who went through this, but it stopped because of the negativity towards Scientology, and that's kind of a shame. 
That is a shame. I will say, I mean, that's a whole issue upon itself, the controversy around Scientology. Because they never, they never jammed it down your throat. That's that L. Ron Hubbard stuff, right? Yes. When you, when, you know, when you could walk through Times Square and see people, they'd always try to hand you those right. postcards. Right. And if you're going to get a religion, you probably shouldn't get it on the subway. Well, I always thought that was just an odd place to set up books. But you know what? If people are willing to listen, you're stuck there, right? On the subway, you can't leave. <laughs> but that's not the way it should be. Religion shouldn't be left because I'm stuck there. Sometimes you just need to listen to the full pitch. Right. I guess so. And I'll run Hubbard. But uh, we'll see. Uh, let's see. Uh, I only got a minute. Real quick. Jeff over in Austin, Texas. KJCE. Jeff. Hey, Brian. Good morning. Listen, hey, you know what? I You touched on it, but I don't think you realize, I don't think anybody realizes how pissed off everybody is about what is actually happening. They keep moving the goalposts. We have a doctor go on last night, Patel, I think it was, on CNN, saying that, the, the you know, after we get the vaccine, we're still going to have to wear masks. We're still going to have to social distance. There's no end game in sight. And I, people are upset We're done. I uh, Listen, I hear it. I feel it every single day. I want to live with it. I don't want to hide from it. And better yet, I want to make my own decisions. That's why people go into Florida, and you're upset, and you're in Texas, but you're in Austin, where that mayor goes to Cabo and then tells you not to travel. So that's got to make it even worse. Brian Kilmeade, Joe. Get the vaccine, please. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Russia is a problem, but China is a crisis, and we've known it's been a crisis for a very long time. I think that there needs to be a gang of eight, this intelligence group investigation. Certainly, uh, acting chairman uh, Marco Rubio and Chairman Schiff should immediately call the intelligence committees together. They should get a confidential classified briefing on what Eric Swalwell knew and how much did he give away. Because the reality is he spent years downplaying the China threat and and overhyping the Russian threat. This is playing exactly into what the Chinese want people to do. And is he doing it on purpose because he's compromised? That was Rick Grinnell, not only ambassador to Germany, but former temporary acting director of the, the director of national intelligence. And he says what he's seen, this is just the tip of the iceberg. That's the perfect entrance, I believe, to bringing in columnist um, uh, from the New York Post, Miranda Devine. Miranda, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Brian. Great to be with you. Miranda, I can go six different directions, but I'll go to your column from the 13th of this week. You talk about the U.S. companies are riddled with members of the Chinese Communist Party. First off, what Rick Grinnell said, how worried are you? that some of these politicians are in bed with China or legitimately compromised or blackmailed by China? Well, I think it's the biggest 
national security concern that we have. We know that um, Rick Grinnell's successor, DNI Ratcliffe, um, has said that China is our number one national security threat. Um, Russia doesn't even come close. And so what we've seen is that over the decades, China has used its money to ingratiate itself um, with various people, like we saw Eric Swalwell. Um, they've used spies to infiltrate. And now we have evidence from this leaked database of almost 2 million registered members of the Chinese Communist Party, just how extensive that infiltration is into American corporations. Now, the list that I have, the database, um, shows that these American companies with um, offices in Shanghai have hundreds uh, dozens in some cases, hundreds in other cases, of CCP members working for them. And these CCP members are... Uh, they're not ordinary Chinese citizens. They have to go through quite a rigorous process to get in. One in 10 applicants doesn't get into the party. And once in, they have to swear an oath of allegiance to the Communist Party to fight for communism for the rest of their lives. And I think that's very disturbing when you have uh, a member of the CCP working for, say, a company like Qualcomm, which is a semiconductor manufacturer, is involved in developing uh, 5G uh, wireless technology, and also signed a contract with the Department of Defence in 2018 to... Uh, look after its security for all its military computers. That's pretty uh, high stakes in the security world. And if you have uh, almost 250 CCP members working for you in Shanghai alone, surely there are questions that you need to be asking. Yeah, uh, I find it unbelievable in your column that Boeing just has hundreds of people that, that work for them from China. And these companies, they have them there. They're not sneaking around. It's not, why was that guy in my office? They actually were hired. That's right. Boeing has more than 200 CCP members working for it. Same with Pfizer, has almost 100. Pfizer, which is rolling out this um, this vaccine. And, you know, there's no evidence that these CCP members are spies. But, again, when you are swearing loyalty to the Chinese Communist Party above anything else, and when you are also in that oath of allegiance, they are saying that they will abide by all decisions and all directives from the party. So, effectively, you can see them as sleeper agents. And, Brian, what's even more disturbing is that um, on this database that's been leaked by Chinese dissidents... Um, there are numbers of consular officials working at consulates in Shanghai, including the American consulate. There are three women that we found um, that were listed on the database as working for the Shanghai US consulate. So I reached out to um, the the State Department on Sunday when I was writing the column, uh, and basically they would not confirm or deny. They said they don't talk about personnel matters, um, but they did issue a sort of a boilerplate um, statement saying that, yes, it's, you know, concerning and this is the way the Chinese roll. Well, you know, I, I would like to know, and I think that the American public would like to know, um, are those people still working at the US consulate in Shanghai? 
Yeah, I would think so. Also, uh, we have to immediately attack on so many different levels. We have to bolster our presence in the South China Sea. We have to bolster our presence everywhere in Europe to push back electronically, digitally, uh, and and from the si- in the cyber world. So we got to build up military. We got to build up. We got to build up uh, on cybersecurity. But we also have to set hard and fast laws when it comes to these students coming to college here. I'm all for being a global university. I'm all for these private indi- indi- uh, these private universities making money, but not if they're going to come here for uh, for uh, diabolical means. And to think that this Eric Swalwell was infiltrated by maybe a 20 year old, how they train teenagers to be spies. And why this is happening at our elite universities, by the way, taking seats uh, uh, at Princeton, Harvard and Yale from Americans. We just have to stop it. Hey, guys, can't trust you. This has got to stop. And that we have to think about the country first. Do you think Joe Biden realizes this threat? Does he care? Well, I mean, Joe Biden, we've seen um, he, his family is compromised because of all the Chinese cash that's flowed their way. Uh, we know that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was appointed by President Obama to be um, his point man in China. He flew to China on Air Force Two and he took along Hunter Biden, his wayward drug adult son, who has no discernible um, you know, business reason to be there. And they spent two weeks in China and Joe Biden has boasted that he more than any other politician in the world has had more face-to-face hours with President Xi, 17 hours I think it was, um, lots of these high-level dinners with, with President Xi. President Xi certainly took his measure, took Joe Biden's measure while he was there and I'm sure he's absolutely delighted now that uh, Joe Biden is president-elect and um, when Joe Biden, that was in 2013, came home from China with Hunter Biden, um, he had achieved zero on behalf of America because he'd gone over there to stop the Chinese from stealing uh, intellectual property and research from American companies. Um, He'd gone over there to stop China from militarizing those islands in the South China Sea that are such a threat to America's allies in the region. Um, And he came away empty-handed. But Hunter Biden didn't come away empty-handed. He came away with a $1.5 billion deal for one of his companies with a subsidiary of a Chinese bank. Unbelievable. And now we understand, according to page six in your newspaper, he's become an artist and he has his first artistic show. He says it's good. It keeps him him occupied. Listen, no, everyone understands has someone directly or indirectly involved in their lives that have addiction. I'm not judging him. I'm just judging him, his family, on letting him be the point person, as it seems, to go out there and do these high tension, high stress, international Mm. money deals when we know when it comes to addiction, that's the worst thing you could do to someone. So to relieve the stress, they go back to that substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs. So to me, that's some terrible family. uh, That's a terrible family atmosphere. I want you to hear uh, what we heard from Kelly McEnany yesterday, because no one can believe that the New York Times has not put one word down or the Washington Post when it comes to um, uh, this Swalwell being compromised. And here is uh, Kaylee talking about uh, this Swalwell situation, which I just had here. Here it is. Cut 23. As former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer said, 
Bias is often found in stories the press does not cover. And last week, we found out that Democrat Congressman Eric Swalwell was infiltrated by an alleged Chinese spy. This spy cozied up to Swalwell, raised funds for his 2014 campaign, and even planted an intern in his office. And that relationship continued until the FBI briefed him in 2015. And that was some very good reporting done by Axios. Um, but after entangling with this spy for years, Swalwell hypocritically went on to be one of the lead instigators of the Russia collusion hoax. So no one cares. How could that not be a story? Uh, it, it really defies belief, Brian. And, you know, I've been very critical of uh, the other media outlets and particularly big tech for their burying uh, Hunter Biden story um, three weeks before the election, um, ignoring it and also pretending it was Russian disinformation. Um, but I put that down to their protecting their candidate, Joe Biden, which is pretty bad. But to be now ignoring, after the election, these very credible media reports showing that a Democrat congressman in California, Eric Swalwell, who actually ran to be president or tried to be uh, last year, um, who is a member of the House Intelligence Committee with access to the most high-level classified information, was was uh, courted, uh, that's a nice way of putting it, by Fang Fang, Christine Fang, the Chinese spy, for five years. And he only ended that association when he was tipped off defensive brief uh, by the FBI, after which she skipped the country, seemed to have been no consequences for either of them. So um, Eric Swalwell, this is a big story. It's an interesting story. It has everything. You know, it has sex, it has drama, it has spies. Uh, on no, on in no newspaper, in no newsroom, in no media outlet, is that not a story every single day? So how could the New York Times and the Washington Post ignore it? And the only thing you can think is that they themselves are somehow compromised by China. And if you look at it, that's feasible. Who owns the Washington Post? Jeff Bezos, Amazon. They need to do business in China. The New York Times, if you look at their website, they have a lot of uh, Chinese characters under their headlines. That's because they're trying to sell copies in China. China's a huge market, and you saw the NBA has compromised itself by by pandering to that market at the expense of Americans, where, where they got their start and where, what basketball is all about. It's the same, I think, with the New York Times and the Washington Post, because there's no other plausible explanation for why they would ignore a rip-roarous story. Makes no sense, but it must bother you. When you grew up in Australia... I was actually born here, um, and I spent. Uh, I grew up in Tokyo, um, and uh, went to university here. Uh, but yes, I've been living in Australia um, for two decades. Are you disappointed? But now I live here again. Right? Yeah. Did, did, um, does this does this disappoint you? Are you astounded, being that you have such a global perspective on what the way and the way we should be and used to be? I'm actually gobsmacked. I mean, I've been back here for two years, and um, the. The state of the media since I went to journalism school, uh, you know, and worked in Boston 20 years ago um, has just completely revolutionised. Uh, and, and I know that's happened all over the world, but it seems to be more marked here that um, the, the sort of uh, 
the newspapers like the New York Times, which were such an august elite institution that had a motto, all the news that's fit to print, now only only prints the news that fits its propaganda lines. And it's very disappointing. I, I, it feels as if the lunatics are running the asylum there. Yes, but we can balance it out as long as we keep booking you, Miranda Devine of the New York Post. <laughs> Thank you, Miranda. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. All right. 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, we're going to talk down lockdowns, the outrage from coast to coast, and that includes the Midwest, a so-called flyover country. Uh, I'm getting emails from Indiana and Minnesota where they're saying neighboring states allow our banning, our, our banning restaurants so they're coming to their state so they can get a restaurant or run their restaurant. It is crazy what's happening here in this country. And I am not convinced anybody quite knows what they're doing. Certainly those in office. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Just finishing up this hour, uh, and it makes you... Uh, I'm watching some of this hearing right now on election uh, authenticity, and Jesse Benal is speaking now. He's, uh, he's a partner in his own law firm, and he's focusing on Nevada. And he just said 42,000 people voted twice, 12,000 people voted from out of state. And sitting right next to him is the gentleman that said this is the most, and he got fired for saying it, the most uh, fraud-free election in history. So there is going to be some clashing here. There's already been some clashing that this hearing's taking place at all. I can't imagine this not taking place uh, on election authenticity and fraud, uh, let alone the fact that people are, uh, are people are complaining that it's taking place. So what he's going to say about what he discovered is going to be interesting, because I did hear that Nevada was as bad as it gets. So we'll monitor that. Also, some good news just breaking. It looks like Mitch McConnell has just come out and said they make some major breakthroughs. We're getting closer and closer to a package, an aid package, that could be over $900 billion and could affect you. So meanwhile, let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. Remember Sandra Lee? She's got this great reputation as a celebrity. She's got her own cooking show, I think. Well, she's been going out for the last 13 years with Governor Andrew Cuomo. He's a real prince of a guy. Well, it turns out she left the house... Uh, she says, I'm in Malibu watching Little Women on the flight. Decided I am Joe. I'm not sure what that means. Do you watch Little Women? I haven't watched. Um, it's a character in Little Women. I can tell you okay. that much. They broke up several months ago, but she just moved out of the house. Right, she moved out. Evidently, she cried the whole way. Yeah, she cried. But of then, relief? You know, I'm, it's probably, you know, an ending of a chapter. It's also she uh, posted on Instagram a picture of the house that they sold and she's leaving. I mean, it's beautiful. It's called Lily Pond. It's just this beautiful old white house on by a pond. So she said she, uh, you know, remembered every corner and the good memories of the house. So yeah, I'm over it. We were always told when we, she's really nice. You've well, I was always told when we interviewed her. Yeah. Don't bring up Governor Cuomo. You were never uh, allowed like, to. Yeah. But meanwhile, that was really what I was interested in. I don't really want to know what to put on, you know, what paprika goes with. Well, you love cooking segments. I, I can't wait to do the next one. <laughs> Next, the Supreme Court's going to review the NCAA rules over student-athlete amateurism. The cases will be argued together. An issue with the NCAA is paying players. 
How are they going to do it? The ACC uh, versus Alston uh, is one case. Federal antitrust case over the NCAA effort to preserve amateurism. I, mean, I remember we had this debate in the Olympics back in the 80s. Should these people be paid? They take a vow of poverty. They can't work while they work out and they're playing against pros. I think little by little they're going to have to work out some system because there's so much money in the system. But keep in mind, it's only for the elite, the big sports and the elite conferences. I agree, but I mean, the rules are so restrictive. I mean, if some of those players wanted to just get a great internship during the summer that's getting paid, that could be a problem. True. Next. Unbelievable. San Francisco is about, and this school is going to rename uh, Abraham Lincoln High School because the former president did not demonstrate that black lives matter to him. He only just divided the country and fought a war to make sure the, sla- uh, the slaves were freed. In 1864, the Lincoln administration oversaw the deportation of the Navajo tribe from their land in Arizona to march a brutal 450 miles. So we cannot name a school after them. The first perfect person to ever walk the face of the earth, please, we need somebody to name a school after. Identify that person. Brian Kilmeade. Right. I, I'm perfect, <laughs> but I don't want that. I, if I do anything wrong, they're going to be taking me down. It'll be kind of awkward. More headlines. Senator Dianne Feinstein's name will be stripped from a school, the Dianne Feinstein Elementary School, because she replaced a Confederate flag once. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is what's going on. Uh, We are looking at Senator Ron Johnson as the chairman of the Senate Homeland Security Committee go through the... Uh, the the security of our elections, uh, the way it currently stands, what just took place in 2020, and what changes need to be played by 2024. Can imagine this. Chris Krebs, who said it was the safest ever, shoulder to shoulder with a uh, a Trump attorney that said tens of thousands of vowed people vowed, voted twice and 12,000 people voted that aren't from Nevada in particular. Then somebody else from Wisconsin, a lawyer for the Trump team, said that on the week they were not allowed to be heard in uh, by the judge in Wisconsin. So you have uh, a lot of Chris Krebs saying one thing, a lot of testimony the other way. And of course, Democrats have a totally different feel for this. The vice president of the United States for the third time will be visiting Georgia. The importance of that race cannot be overstated because two Senate seats at stake. The Republicans don't get one of them. They lose the majority. And man, we have basically lost the country. Mark Morgan standing by. Didi Gregorius, former Yankee shortstop turned Philadelphia Philly shortstop is next with a message for players. They got to get vaccinated. And if you tested positive and beat this virus, you have to give up your blood plasma to help other people. So that message, because the COVID-19 is not going away. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield a different result. The Electoral College has spoken. 
Mitch McConnell says he called Joe Biden and says you are president-elect. He will call President Trump first and said, I'm going to make this announcement because they've been certified to have the electors. And he has 302 electoral votes. How does the president feel about that? He is not happy. And how does it play into Georgia? We'll review it. Number two. What's going to happen to all these restaurants that are going to close in a couple of weeks? This is not fair. We are not the problem. We deserve to work. We deserve our indoor dining open. And that was part of the demonstration that took place one block from our studios. Restaurant workers, managers, hostesses, waiters and cooks, everybody involved in the restaurant industry gathered together in Midtown to let everybody know the shutdown does not fly. And people are beginning to step up and square off. With our inept leaders, I'm talking from Minnesota to California to New York. People have had it. The backlash has begun. Number one. More help could be on the way in the coming days in the form of a second vaccine. New FDA analysis says Moderna's vaccine is more than 94% effective with no serious risks. And a panel will meet tomorrow to vote on whether to recommend it for emergency use. Wow, there you go. Move over. Pfizer Moderna is joining what I think is going to be a parade of vaccines coming to a hospital near you. FDA approval could come within this show. And can you say done deal? That's what it looks like as an aid package is all but done. Chad Pergram uh, from our Washington uh, Bureau is at the Capitol where he's gotten a report that Mitch McConnell has made statements as if they cleared major hurdles. We know the Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin has been calling in. We know that the president wants stimulus checks included in this, along with Bernie Sanders and Senator Josh Hawley. Odd combination, I know. But it looks as though they're going to get at least $768 billion into the bloodstream. They say they will not leave without doing some type of deal, and it looks like they are right. Let's bring in Mark Morgan. Uh, Mark Morgan has done just an awesome job as acting customers, customer and border protection commissioner. Mark, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's kind of a sad time for you, right? Here you are, you're building 400-plus miles of wall, and you got to stop, it seems. Well, it is, Brian. It's much greater than the wall. I mean, I think that the past four years, you know, this president's administration and CBP has been on the front lines of that. Uh, we have uh, just come up with a tremendous network of policies and initiatives that, that have enabled us to really effectively address the crisis that we saw uh, last year in, in 19 and, and absolutely uh, keep America more safe. So I'm disappointed because, Brian, as you and I have talked uh, with, with the new administration coming in, if they do what they say they promise, to do, we will see. I, again, I'm predicting you will see another crisis 2.0 on our hands. Well, what are they saying they're going to do? They basically are going to decriminalize the border? They're going to allow people to come in? Absolutely. If you think about it, and this is very important, so this is a, a, a very important question your listeners really need to pay attention to because you can't just look at one thing they're talking about. You have to bring it all in. So they're talking about stopping deportations for almost uh, four months. They're talking about getting rid of the CDC order that's been instrumental in the fight against global this global pandemic. They're talking about getting rid of MPP, the Migrant Protection Protocol, which ended all but ended catch and release. They're talking about rewarding those individuals that remain here illegally with free health care. They're talking about supporting uh, sanctuary cities, uh, uh, giving amnesty to millions of people. It goes on and on and on. You put all that together. That is not an immigration strategy. That is an open border strategy. What you did is got Mexico to do something we never thought, especially with a socialist leader. Got them to put Marines on their southern border, allow or remain in Mexico 
policy to take root. So people realize if they came from Mentoris, if El Salvador, if they got to the border, they're not going to be let in. They're going to have to stay in Mexico. Word got out and it stopped. It stopped a lot of the um, of the attempts to cross the border illegally. It did. And here, and look, let's not even – I don't want your listeners to even take our opinion. Let's look at the facts. In 2019, because of the broken system, right, because we didn't have the tools, and, you know, the, the, the administration was doing everything they can. And in and, and, and FY19, CBP alone, Brian, we had to release 230,000 illegal aliens in the interior of the United States to never be heard from again. We got the tools. We got the policies. We got the things we needed. Last year in, in, in FY20, that was down to 1,000. Think about that. 230,000 to 1,000. And what you talked about was a big part of that, Mexico stepping up, supporting the, the Remain in Mexico policy, as the media likes to call it. That was a game changer. Right now in Title 42, we have prevented individuals from being introduced into this country. At the height of the crisis, we had 20,000 in our custody. Right now, in the middle of a global pandemic, we, we averaged last week about 970. Think about that. If, if we had 20,000 in our custody right now in a global pandemic, that, that, that's an active you know, COVID-19 Petri dish. But, but right now, we're averaging 2,300 encounters a day. Now, normally, that would be a crisis. Why aren't those numbers a crisis right now? Because we have the tools to apprehend them, detain them, and remove them. If you remove those policies, that 2,300 will become a, a crisis overnight. I just think, Joe Biden, we might be practical enough to say, with all the problems I have faced me right now with the pandemic. Why would I loosen the border? Don't tell me you're serious about border crossings and then tell me that you go, excuse me, serious about fighting the pandemic, 100 days with masks, and then at the same time let people from outside coming in with God knows what uh, unchecked into our bloodstream. I mean, you got to be kidding me. But you're absolutely right. I mean, think about just common sense as we're you know, pushing this vaccine out, as America is, is going towards getting getting on the other side of this, this, this global disease. You're going to take folks that are illegally entering, that, that, that transverse thousands of miles through COVID-impacted area, are kept in stash houses, unsanitary, crowded for days, weeks, in tractor trailers, and you're going to say that's okay? As, as we're vaccinating our citizens, we're going to further introduce people into our country that have COVID while we're doing that. It's nonsensical. It makes no sense. But that's what they've promised they're going to do. Think about that. So Megan Kelly has got this podcast and she had J.D. Vance on who wrote Hillbilly Elegy, no really familiar with the rural uh, rural America, and said this about how the border and drugs intermingle. Fentanyl is being manufactured in China and primarily coming across the southern border. I think we're going to have a big reversal of Trump-era immigration policies from the Biden administration. You know, but if they're listening to me, and they probably aren't, I would say whatever you do on the southern border, make it as hard as possible to bring fentanyl into American streets. Because you want to talk about hopelessness in towns like mine, talk about the meth and the fentanyl that are coming into these communities. Does that, does that, that's exactly what you've been saying. And you had, the CBP has a, a report out, you probably wrote it, said there's been an alarming uptick in the seizure of hard drugs like fentanyl at the southern border, according to the CBP, with a 225% increase in seizures of that deadly drug at the same time as last year. That's absolutely right. And, and he was 
spot on. Everything he said is absolutely accurate. And China, look, at first they were using international mail and, and you know e-commerce platform to sh- ship the precursor and fentanyl. And we, we, we got a hold of them. We said, you got to stop it. So, they, so they, they stopped that. And what did they do? They just shifted their tactics and procedures. And now they're just China's just shipping the precursor chemicals to uh, Mexico. Mexico has their own chemists. They're manufacturing fentanyl and shipping it across the southwest border. And it does not stay on the southwest border. That's why his comments are so important. That's why I always say, Brian, every town, city, and state in this country is a border town, city, and state. Those drugs do not stay on the border. They make their way to every major city and town in this country, killing Americans every single day. I mean, they want to dismantle ICE. They want yep. to loosen up border crossing. They'll be need, uh, for a hundred days. They say there'll be no deportations. No deportations. Right. That is nuts. And, and 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 Brian, think about that. So what, what's what's the calling card that's sending out? So so you know, people ask me. So come one, come all. Gonna, say again. Say that the calling card is come one, come all. Brian, that's absolutely right. And it's, uh, people say, uh, so what do you think is going to happen? I'm saying it's not about what's going to happen. It's already happening. I mean, the, the cartels and the smugglers are already using that to, to, to drive perception and con the illegal immigrants to continue to come. They're already staging individuals in Mexico waiting for January 20th to come, thinking the borders are going to open. And again, if, if the Biden administration does what they've promised the American people they're going to do, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're, that, you know, the flow that we have right now that has significantly increased, it's going to become a crisis because you're going to remove the tools. That 230000 we released in the interior in 2019 is going to be child's play with respect to the crisis that's coming. Mark Moore has done a, uh, just an awesome job. Uh, he used to work for President Obama. Then President Trump came in and says, let's get rid of this Mark Morgan. Then after you hopped on television radio a few times, <laughs> they go, I like this guy. And you've done an incredible job and a, a bunch of jobs with your law enforcement background. Yep. So as of today, how much wall is built? 430, uh, I believe now, the, the last I got, thir- three, 434 miles. What did you see? So 434 miles of, with some of them was like a split rail fence. So you've done that. And you got about a month left, unless something miraculous happens on these recounts, uh, a month left to get it done. What can you get done in this time? So I think by the end of the year, and, and this is important, it's always been twisted and manipulated. Everybody trying to, to push their uh, their ideology and their false narrative. We've said since day one, by the end of the calendar year, this year, we are going to hit 450 miles. I'm still confident we're going to do that. I'm confident that, that come after the new year, you're going to see us celebrating the completion of 450 miles of wall. And Brian, you have talked about this before, but this is very important. It's not just a wall. It's not just steel and concrete going in the ground. It, it is much larger than that. It's a wall system. It's got integrated lighting access roads and technology. And here's here's what's important. So, you know, the, the, the President-elect Biden has said that he will not build another foot of wall. Well, well, what's important with that, he's not just going to be canceling concrete and steel. He's also going to be canceling state-of-the-art innovative technology that keeps this country safer. And and that's not what's being talked about enough. I just, uh, I just don't get it. I don't I get it. I, I never got it. Like, this is as bad in a different way of Barack Obama walking in and said, I promised to take to end the Iraq war. So I'm pulling all the troops out. And next thing you know, we have ISIS. 
if this is going to be very similar, right. there's going to be another crisis. And you're not going to be able to blame Donald Trump because you had it calm, everything calmed down. I didn't know this. So you have a 2,000-mile border. Some of it's a natural barrier. That never, you can't get a fence in there. But you could get up to, to complete it. You need 1,400 miles, correct? I think so right now. That, that's what the experts, the, the risk lines every single day are saying. You're absolutely right. And this president has never said we needed you know, a wall from sea to shining sea. Never, that, it was never the, 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 the goal. It was where we really needed it. Natural barriers, it takes up a lot of southwest border, so that's correct. We're looking at about 1,400 miles uh, in strategic locations that we need. And what a lot of people don't understand either, we're talking about 450 miles by the end of this year, but, but, but this president's administration has actually provided enough funding for 738 miles of wall system to be built, and most of that is already under contract as we set today. Mark, thanks so much. I mean, I think you are appreciated, and I just hope you get somebody like you, if you have to be replaced, that understands the big picture and doesn't play politics. But I have not seen that in what they're doing with this administration. Uh, Mark Morgan, thanks so much. You bet, Brian, anytime. You got it. 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'm going to take some of your calls. Also, explosive hearing. Johnson and Peters just went at it uh, like it's a, a fight in the lunchroom in high school. Don't move. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on The Brian Kilmeade Show. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everyone. one 7669 I told you about this, uh, this, this committee, uh, the Oversight Committee, looking into election integrity. I should say the Homeland Security Committee. Rand Paul speaking right now, but the chairman and ranking member, Mark Peters of Michigan, and the chairman of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, just went at it. I didn't hear it. I'm looking at the closed caption while I'm going to break. So let's hear it together. So it's, it's just galling, and I just have to point out that the purveyors of Russian disinformation— Hillary Clinton's campaign, the DNC, the Steele dossier, the ranking member Peters accusing Senator Grassley and I of disseminating uh, Russian disinformation, that's where the disinformation is coming. That's where the false information, the, the lies, the false allegations. I can't sit by here and listen to this and say that this is, this is not disinformation, this hearing today. This is getting information we have to take a look at to restore confidence in our election integrity. We're not going to be able to just move on without bringing up these irregularities, examining them, and providing an explanation and see where there really are problems so we can correct it moving forward. Senator Paul. Mr. Mr. Chairman, i got to respond to that. I mean, you're saying I'm putting out information. Well, one, I had nothing to do with this report. You you lied repeatedly. You lied repeatedly in the press that I was spreading Russian Russian disinformation, and that was an outright lie, and I told you to stop lying, and you continue to do it. Mr. Chairman, this is not about airing your grievances. I I don't know what rabbit hole you're running down. You talked about Russian disinformation. Senator Paul. This is simply not what we're dealing with. Senator Paul. Well, Mr. Chairman, you can't make these false allegations. And then dropping it there. That is why this needs to return back Judge to its Star, partisan things. This is this is this is terrible. What you're doing to this committee and all the great work that you talked about. It is what yes. you have done to this committee. It is not falsely the case. accusing the chairman of spreading disinformation. Nothing could have been further from the truth, and you're spouting it again, which is why I had this to respond. Is, oh, Senator Paul, Mr. Chairman, Judge Starm, outrageous. 
Wow. Uh, he's finishing up. Uh, he's done a great job on oversight. And you just got to understand, Ron Johnson is the most apolitical person getting into this job. He went into it almost like uh, Angus King. He said, I'm going to be independent, but I'm going to caucus with Democrats. He said, I'm going to be independent, I'm going to caucus with Republicans. But he was so incensed by the imbalance, by the, by the press and the coverage and the investigation, Russia, he became as a, the, a Senate version of Jim Jordan. Charlotte, listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Charlotte. Hello, Brian. Thank you for taking my call this morning. No problem. What's on your mind? Oh, hi. (laughs) Okay, so um, I've been racking my brain over since the summer trying to figure out what the Democrats' endgame is with all this to fund the police and and these no-bail laws. And I wanted to get your opinion on my hypothesis is that they're they're trying they're going to try to use it to get rid of to nullify the Second Amendment because in New York City right now, they're all the reporting is about um, all the gun crime that's taking place. I also think they're going to try to implement some sort of martial law um, when we have all these criminals running so or running around. So what do you think? I don't think we're looking at martial law. We're going to get this vaccine going and we're going to throw those masks away forever. Uh, and we're done with it. No one's going to tell us to walk around and keep six feet away once we get the vaccine and back to business. Forget it. And I think people... From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The most important thing that Congress can do is give working people, working families relief before Christmas. And that's why we ought to vote in the Senate on a bill that will give $1,200 to every individual, $2,400 to couples, working families, $500 to kids who need it. This is what we did back in March. Every senator voted for it. This ought to be the centerpiece of any relief effort. People are desperate, Martha. Working people are desperate for help. We're not talking about wealthy people. We're talking about working people. They ought to be the center of this bill, not an afterthought. And that's why I've introduced legislation to get it done. So uh, that is Josh Hawley. He, he, along with Bernie Sanders, of all people, Mr. Conservative, Mr. Socialist, to get people a check because they need stimulus money. But we understand the bill, the aid package, is, is just about done, $748 billion, a rumor today before it started, before the negotiations started behind closed doors. It will extend unemployment insurance for 16 weeks. They'll add $300 weekly federal supplement instead of the 600 Small business will get $300 billion with the PPP loans, $85 billion for schools, $35 billion for health care providers, $13 billion for farmers, ranchers, growers, and fisheries. So the second bill, which they're clashing on, they just separated, which is smart, $160 billion for state and local governments. The Republicans are saying, really? So you go and overcommit with this huge tax base. You raise everyone's taxes. You commit to these huge pensions, and the federal government has to bail you out. They don't want to budge on that, and Democrats don't want to budge on liability protections for businesses. So we're waiting on uh, D.D. Gregorius, a fantastic shortstop, former uh, Arizona Diamondback, who became a New York Yankee. He replaced Derek Jeter. And then the Yankees let him go to Philadelphia. 
after he got hurt, uh, where he played for $14 million uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's a free agent now, but he's got a great message on this very topic, the pandemic and using the plasma. If you had the virus and beat the virus and have the antibodies, if you could donate the plasma, that's what people are using as treatment. You want to get that death count down? We're up over 300,000. That's the way to do it. Meanwhile, Alex Azar spent the morning at Georgetown University. He's Health and Human Services Secretary, where he's seeing the Pfizer vaccine roll out for the third straight day. And today, maybe this hour, we're going to get news about the Moderna vaccine. And then next week, AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson. Need two shots, everybody. Cut one. If you're over 65 or if you are comorbid and have a risk of severe complications or hospitalization, get talk to your doctor after getting a positive test and ask about whether you can be put on these drugs because they can help prevent hospitalization, severe consequences, or help, in the case of remdesivir, help shorten your hospitalization stay. We have a surplus of these products. They're not getting used, and we need to keep people out of the hospital. I was shocked that the Secretary of Health and Human Services told Martha last night, and he told me, I made him reiterate today on Fox and Friends. I said, wait a second. So I have the virus, I test positive. I have to tell the doctor, give me remdesivir or or, or a, uh, what is the other drug that, uh, remdesivir or Regeneron. I got to ask? Yeah. He's like, you got to ask. Because too many people are getting the virus. They start having, uh, if you are unlucky enough to get the severe symptoms, they get hospitalized. He goes, to stop you from getting hospitalized, say, wait, doctor, give me remdesivir. So then the question was, how much? He said, it's free. Listen, I know the doctor's got their handful, but if you got a treatment, why are you not using that treatment? And they said they have a excess of the product. Incredible. So uh, a lot of people didn't think this would happen, this unbelievable news about the virus. For Azar, he was mocked when he made the announcement in May. And then when he produces what he produced... Very few apologized. I don't really care about the apology, but he deserves one. So does the president of the United States. Cut three. President Trump said he thought, in spite of all these experts, these geniuses who said, oh, 18 months at the soonest would be the most optimistic. He said, could we get it sooner? And I said, because I knew from the drug industry, I worked in the drug industry. I had run our bioterrorism countermeasures programs at HHS before. I knew what could get done. And we said we could do it by the end of the year. We could put all this together. Um, I, I just think the difference is they 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 want to see the impossible. They The president wants to see the possible. He sets out the the goal, and that's what he does as a leader, and that's what we do is work to achieve that. And now we have two vaccines by the end of this week, possibly with 95 percent effectiveness and tens of millions of doses for the American people. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to grin. Because it's in his face. And I just amazed. He had the Admiral Giroir on, and he goes on Meet the Press or CNN, and they're ripping him. I'm like, wait a second. Uh, he's in charge of getting a vaccine to people. Uh, you, you want to know what the FedEx has to do with the UPS, what has to do with the military, what has to do with CVS and Rite Aid? Go ahead. But when you say, well, did President Trump do this? And what about this vaccine? And how are you going to keep it in dry eye? Excuse me. Let him go. Number two is you'd have a lot more credibility, as Mark Thiessen writes today. If Joe Biden keeps saying, I want to heal the nation, and I see those 75 million people that did not vote for him and still rallied in the street over the weekend— said Donald Trump got robbed. 74% of all Donald Trump voters think he got robbed, okay? So if you really want to heal the country, 
Can you give credit where credit's due? Can you actually say Operation Warp Speed has been a tremendous success? I got briefed on it. It's even better than I thought. The president deserves credit for it. And the topic we talked about at the top of this hour, my fingers are crossed that Joe Biden's a big enough man to admit what the president has done at the border, the way he's left the border as he's about to leave, should be continued. The money's been allocated to finish off the barrier and the holistic way we're treating the border and the deals with Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala have been effective. Mexico has been an incredible partner at our southern border and theirs. And the Remain in Mexico policy, which has been upheld by courts, should stay. Do you want to heal the nation? Start pointing out we all know. When it comes to immigration... We had problems with separating families. Let's debate that. Senator Sessions, he was AG Sessions, came up with that thing, Could have, should have stopped earlier. But the separation was done in a way to stop the flood. And number two is these people who are coming across the border, they weren't their parents. They were actually coyotes bringing people back. As soon as you said, oh, I'm going to swab you to see if your DNA, they'd run for the hills or admit that they, admit that they don't belong. Joining us now to talk more about this as he gets ready for another baseball season in about a month, D.D. Gregorius, a fantastic shortstop last season with the Phillies, did great for the Yankees. He did the impossible. He replaced Derek Jeter and made people forget about Derek Jeter, and now he's a free agent. But right now he's got a better message. Uh, D.D., uh, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Hey, D.D., I actually was at your game, sadly, when you got hurt. Having another great season offensively and defensively. I know you played for your former manager, Joe Girardi, last year. And we'll talk about your future of baseball. But you have a different message today. What is your message? So uh, my message today is, you know, I partnered up with John Hopkins University to spread out the message of hope, you know, because, uh, you know, those have been infected or come in, to- in contact with someone who has COVID-19. I mean... They shouldn't be ashamed or guilty, you know. But uh, when I joined up with John Hopkins University, they come, they came out with this trial to find treatment. So, uh, and it's been, you can find it on covidplasmatrial.org. But it's something really good, you know. Everybody's talking about the vaccine is coming, the vaccine is coming, and all that stuff. But you know, we all need to make that step first to, if you can have this, uh, the antibodies done, like getting, get them tested. So you can help yourself and people in the community or somebody, somebody, you know, so to prevent the spreading of the COVID-19. So, so it's actually really cool that they let me join them to, to spread out this message. So it's really cool. Absolutely. So covidplasmatrial.org. You know what the crazy thing is, Didi? When we first heard that plasma from people who had it, who have the antibodies worked, everyone went crazy. And then we didn't hear anything about it for a while. And if you have it, yeah. you need a treatment. You don't need the vaccine. You need a treatment. So this works. Did you get, you got it, right? I didn't. Well, we did the antibodies and I actually didn't get, I didn't have COVID so, uh, so far. So I think that's why like my name wasn't all up in all that stuff, but I have, I've heard people that actually have done it. So it's something really good. Yeah. It's no problem. You give blood. If you ever give platelets, you just a little bit more time and you're actually saving lives. Yeah especially with the senior community. Yeah. So, Didi, are you saying that sometimes people are embarrassed that they got it so they don't go forward and donate the plasma? Yeah, I mean, you know, some people feel ashamed. You know, like, it's like maybe the thing, like, they're invincible. Like, I can't get sick. This won't get me, blah, blah, blah. 
But, you know, if and then when they get it, you know, they feel like, oh, I got it. So I don't want nobody to know I got it, like stuff like that, you know. So, you know, try to keep everything, like, closed up for themselves. But, you know, like I said, like, it's the trial. So if you can do it, I mean, it will help others too. So prevent it from spreading and then you get treatment quicker. COVIDplasmatrial.org. So, Didi, uh, what is a shame and the scientists haven't really found out why. Maybe it's uh, lifestyle. I'm not sure. But it seems like the minority communities have been beat up the worst by this. The black and Hispanic communities. Have you found that? I mean, I've heard a lot about it. But, uh, I mean, there ain't much that I can do about it. You know, all I can do is, like like I said, like join them and trying to bring awareness. You know, like let people know, like, what's going on. This is actually a real thing that people have been dealing with and how to prevent it and help other people around you. So, like say, let's say if you're in the house and you just go out like nothing happened and then you get you come in, maybe there's four other people inside the house that got infected too. And maybe one of those people have like a condition, you know, and so like me, like I have a uh, chronic kidney condition, so that's why I wear my mask every time. So, you know, I want to protect myself and others around me so to keep everybody safe. So I think that's the best way to go about it. Didi, how was it playing without fans in a, a in a bubble towards the end? In a, well, you actually didn't get to the bubble, but how was it playing yet last year? Was it one of the most surreal experiences of your career? You know, it takes you back to uh, – it, it's a funny thing, but it takes you back to the Gulf Coast League, you know, because when you play, basically there's nobody there. There's only the team that you're playing against and your own teammates. So that's basically what it went back to, you know. But for the love of the game and everything you – done so far and all the work you put in you know you got to play in every condition so i think uh you know of course you miss the fans because you want you want the energy to be there the different type of way but uh you got to play with the the cards you dealt with so that's how we had to play this year so was it easier or harder because if you're somebody that feels the pressure without people screaming at you at home or away i imagine it's easier to concentrate other people need the inspiration what about dd gregorius uh, I mean, the best way that you can do that is motivate yourself, you know, like put yourself in the situation that you always want to succeed. So, I mean, that's how I look at it. Gotcha. You're a free agent this year. Where do you, where are you thinking, uh, where are you hearing you're going to go? I, the word is the Mets are interested. I mean, that's, I mean, like you said, like you've been hearing the same way that I've been hearing, but uh, I mean, it's been conversations and everything, but Nothing is agreed agreed yet. So, I mean, it's just talks and uh, a wait and see what's going to happen at the end. USA Today is reporting uh, that it looks as though the Major League Baseball might mandate that all players get vaccinated when this vaccination is available. Do you think you would do it? Do you think, what do you say to players that don't want to do it? What do I say? Yeah, first off, would you take the vaccine? Uh, if it's everything, if they prove that everything will be right, then yes. What if it's mandated if by the league? If it's mandated. So for me, like, it's nothing wrong with it, but you got to make sure, like, everything, like, if you just, you can't just go out and say um, A and B have to happen right now, but with all the testing and everything they prove, because we don't know when the vaccine is going to be available for everybody. That's the, the first one. And... If there's people out there that need it more than us, I think those people will get it. They need to get it before we do because we probably will stay inside in a bubble or something and while the other people are not. So I think the main important the main importance for me right now is to make sure everybody else is right 
like the treatment and everything before we get it. That's <laughs> how I look at it. Absolutely. And then do you think the season starts on time? Does that mean you get pitchers and catchers in February? I hope so. I mean, the schedule and everything's already out, so I don't see why we will not start on time unless something else happens. But, you know, I can't predict the future, so, but we will see. D.D. Gregorius, thanks so much. To, uh, take part in this trial, especially if you've had it and you had the antibodies. you got to do it. COVIDplasmatrial.org. A lot of you are frustrated. You want to help. This is the way to do it. D.D., thanks so much. Best of luck getting, getting with the team. Whoever signs you is going to be quite lucky. Yeah, well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right, go get him. Stay healthy. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Back in a moment. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, all right. It's page 284 of the book Green Lights. It was time to catch the hero I've been chasing. See if the sun will melt the wax that holds my wings. Or if the heat is just a mirage. Even the fairy dust. Live my legacy now. We're acting like me and being me, brother. The best me I can be. So I gathered 35 years of my writings, took them to a desolate place to seek their prudence, hear their story, and take inventory on my investment, me. I spent two weeks alone in the desert, where I was conceived, naturally. So that is Matthew McConaughey. It is not Matthew McConaughey. It is not. What a genius promotion he did. He asked his his, book buyers and his fans to read his book and and basically mock him. Yeah, he called um, on his Instagram account basically saying he has gotten some of them and he loves them. Um, he said, sends on the videos, he can handle it, and that it was funny, it made him laugh, and you got to laugh really hard right now. So he's encouraging everyone to send their impressions of him, of course promoting his book, right, because he needs to read his book, and he will share them on his stories. But that was a pretty darn good one. That I thought that was him. Yep, nope. I thought, dude... I actually thought it was his uh, his book in particular, uh, but he, along with Barack Obama, are just dominating. Here's the other thing: uh, I've, I've never seen a president do more press. Just loves it. Uh, number two, actually, he's kind of beneath him to be honest as next president. But for Matthew McConaughey to be one of the top five most bankable stars in Hollywood, even though things are slow right now, that's why he did the book. He said he lost his he lost his uh, co-writer or ghostwriter to another project, and he just decided to do it himself and cut and paste his own journal. Uh, but the way he sells this, pretty aggressive, isn't it? Well, yes, and I will say, I mean, you know what it takes to sell a book, right? I mean, it's writing; it's half the like the issue. Like promoting and getting the word out there and keeping it going to keep it on the list is a lot of work, and a lot of people are not willing to do so. And the fact that he is, it truly just proves his work ethic is what you would have thought it was. Uh, absolutely. And we continue to watch this hearing right now. And Chris Krebs is right in the middle of it. He's a Republican that the president fired because in the middle of contending with all these different states, he came out and made a statement. This has been the safest, most secure election in American history. And clearly there was a, a claims of 41,000 people voting twice, uh, 13,000 or 21,000 people. And this is Nevada, by the way, 21,000 people in, uh, in Nevada who voted and don't belong there. That seemed to be kind of a crazy uh, state of election. And then, you know, you had the problems in Michigan that the president really has a problem with, especially in the cities, as well as Philadelphia, the, the election observers, the Republicans not allowed to see it. So in the middle of the president making that case, Chris Krebs comes out and made that statement. He is now in the middle of it now defending his statement, kind of going against the administration he used to work for. Crazy times. Brian Kilmeade Show. 
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.